saying that great leaders are great listeners has almost become cliche. Listening is one of those things that sounds simple, but which can be really challenging to execute, especially when all the craziness is happening. Part of the challenge is that listening requires presence, full presence. I'm going to ask you for something special today. Today, as you listen to this podcast, don't just listen, really listen. What's the difference? You're about to find out. Today's guest is Dr. Tiffany Brunson. Tiffany's been working diligently over the last 28 years to establish classrooms, schools, and educational environments that respect diversity and provide experiences and space for all students to learn and thrive. These inclusive environments invite students to show up as their true authentic selves and foster a sense of belonging. Tiffany is currently the proud superintendent of Elementary School District 159, serving the students, families, and communities of Madison, Rickton Park, and Tinley Park in Illinois. Dr. Brunson is committed to creating equitable, inclusive educational communities for all students. She strongly believes that if given a quality education, access, and opportunities, every human being has the potential to live a full life and leave behind a great legacy. Hello, Tiffany. Hi, Frederick. How are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to have you on the show today. Always like to begin with a celebration. So what are you celebrating today? Um, you know, I live in the Midwest. So right out, I live in Chicago and um, we've had some fresh snow and I <laughs> actually enjoy the fresh snow and it's, I think it's beautiful. So celebrating fresh snow. Excellent. Excellent. So um, I want to start a little bit differently than I have been in the past. And I'm wondering if there's a particular story that drives your work or fuels your passion for what you do. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to take you back um, <laughs> way back in time, if you will. But I like to talk about my uh, fourth grade teacher, Ms., Mrs. Weaver. She was my fourth grade teacher, and um, I was born and raised on Southside Chicago. She was a phenomenal, wonderful. She was one of the most beautiful women I have ever seen, besides my own mom. And she was elegant, and she was articulate and talented, and she just made me feel twenty feet tall. And she is what inspired me to become a teacher. It was just something about. Um, the way she talked to us, the, the way she made us feel important, even though she had a room full of students, you always felt like she was talking directly to you at all times. And she, she was such a good listener. She was so patient. But the thing that was so powerful about her is, so a quick story, she was leaving um, Illinois. She was getting married and she was going off to New York City. Now, I'm fourth grade, you know, I had never, I didn't know anything about New York City. I didn't know where it was. So I did a little bit of an, an I did a little bit of a recognizance, if you will. So I did some research. I went to our school library and all of these things, of course, before the advent of the internet. And I found out where New York City was, what it was about. And guess what, Frederick? What my thing I was worried about is would she have friends? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh man, you know, like, because that's what 10 year olds, that's what you worry about, right? 
So I had my friends put on a small play for her. We did it. Uh, we practiced at lunch. We practiced at um, recess. And we put on this, you know, I learned about Statue of Liberty and all of these things. And I dressed up as Statue of Liberty. And I, we did this whole um, play for her as a, you know, a goodbye, a farewell. Um, and at the end of it, she's all tearing up because we're giving her apples, you know, for the big apple and all of this. And she teared up and she leaned over towards me and she cut my, my, my small chin and she said, you are amazing and you are a leader. And it was the very first time she said, you did all of this. And I said, well, I, I didn't want you to know, you know, not know that we loved you and we, you know, and, and I, I just wanted you to have something that you will remember forever. And when she used the word leader it was the first time I had ever heard the word used and my name used at the same time. And, um, I was hooked ever since then. And you you could tell me nothing. I was <laughs> I was able to do anything. I corralled a bunch of 10-year-olds to put together and sing New York, New York, you know, and and it was amazing. And, and that right there is that feeling that I have always wanted to give students, that feeling that they were, they could do anything. So wow. Thank you. I think we're gonna dig deeper in that into that because we're talking today about being a listening leader and what really strikes me in that uh, story that you just told about Mrs. Weaver, A, how fully present she was for you, which I think is the first step to being a listening leader. And then to be able to, because she knew who you were and understood you, to be able to offer you the incredible gift with four simple words. Yes. You are a leader. Yes. yes. Awesome. So you're a big advocate for the listening leader and you come from a really a diverse range of experiences um, out, inside and outside of public education. When we talk about being a listening leader, what does that mean to you? Um, one of the things you said was very being fully present. I think being a listening leader is um, rooted in equity empathy and just patience because um, each of us are situated differently. We all come from different backgrounds. And I, I think as a leader, one of the things you have to do is to understand the, the diverse needs of your whoever you're leading, whether it's the PTO <laughs> or whether it's a, a community organization or a complex organization like a school district. Right? Like now I'm a I'm a superintendent, but I've been a teacher, I've been a coach, I've been an assistant principal, I've been a principal, I've been a chief diversity, equity, and inclusion officer. So I've really had a lot of different, I've been a leader in the military, like I've had a lot of different opportunities to lead. And the thing that I have learned about listening, well, about leadership is the listening part. And I have gotten so much better as I've um, grown just and evolved as a human being. Um, and it just lends me, you know, what leads me to this, the, the quote by Nikki Giovanni, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to mess it up, but she said, she has this beautiful quote that she says, while language is a gift, listening is a responsibility. Oh, I love for that. For me, that's how I look at it. So I could be running, I could be walking down a hallway or I can be leaving my office to go to the, the front of the district office and five people can stop me. And they're like, Dr. Brunson, Tiffany, can I speak to you? And I could, 
I could be 10 minutes late to where I need to be. But for that person, that moment is the most important moment for them. And you have to be fully present. You don't necessarily have to answer the problem or answer uh, right away with something eloquent or, or whatever, but you you have to give them pe people the time that they deserve. And sometimes you have to say, thank you so much. Um, almost like put a pin in it and I'll, I'll have to double back. But at that moment, be fully present and listen. And then you are able to respond in a uh, an appropriate manner. But brushing people off, um, dis disregarding them and their feelings, um, it, it it is hard to do, you know, especially when you are being pulled in so many different ways. But the reality is, it is a responsibility. And so for me, that's how I look at listening. So I almost want to end the podcast right there and just loop, <laughs> <laughs> loop that about four or five times <laughs> because yes, yes. You, you said so much there that's that's so critical. Um, you know, we talk about presence and I, I think everybody thinks they know what that means, but in the day-to-day, -day, when you're rushing around and you know you should be present, I think we cut corners on presence. So we're, we're partly present. I, I stopped and I'm listening to you, but I'm still running through that list on my head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's an actual skill that you have to work on. So this is like people say, you know, I work out because I want a healthy heart. I'll work out because I want to lose some weight or, you know, I want to be a better pianist. So I hired the best piano teacher. You know, it's like all of these things, you know, I want to be a better uh, track athlete. So guess what? I got I got the number one coach in the world because I want to go to the Olympics, right? We really work and we we pour into those things. We make those conscious decisions because there, there seems to be or will be an end goal. But the reality is with listening, there's an end goal. Like there, there is an end goal and oftentimes, if you're not present, you will not know what the person needs. Oftentimes we prescribe or we give people things we think they need and they actually don't need the thing or the solution that we provide. But the reality is if you, if you pause, listen, reflect, and then react, pause, listen, reflect, and then react. And, and like you said, most of the time what we're doing is we're, we're listening to respond. Like we, we're not even really present, but then we're like wondering why the solution that we offer didn't work <laughs> because it wasn't what they needed or it wasn't the right solution to the problem. And, but we do that all the time because listening, to, it, it, it's, I, I think it's a muscle. It's a skill. Like you, you really actually need to work on it. Yeah. Really need to work on it. Well, I think it's a journey for us, right? Because one one way that we move into leadership is because we get stuff done and we probably have really good communication skills, right? So people want us to talk. They're used to listening. And, and so the things that got us here aren't necessarily the things that will really take us to that next level of leadership. We oh, absolutely. And, and I think that the, what people expect out of leaders has evolved because to your point, a lot of it is, has been transactional. A lot of it has been um, how quickly, how efficiently can you get something done? And sometimes effect, effectiveness um, 
even though you can be strategically effective, if you will, and managerial in your in your uh, how you lead, it really isn't what is expected of us now. Like, you know, it used to be that, but now people are expecting um, their leaders to have a bunch of soft skills. Because remember, it was like, we're all the technical skills. Do you have all of those? But now it's those those soft skills. Um, are you a, do you have good interpersonal skills? You know, and are you able to empower people? Is Are you transformational in your leadership? A little bit different, right? It isn't just, are you a great orator? Are you a great communicator? Are you know, a great speaker? It is all of the little intangibles that if you look on a job description, most of the time they're not there, but I think they're starting to put them there. Like you're, they, uh, you're a people person. People mm -hmm. like you. Like I think they're starting to... Um, see that as a as worthy or worthwhile or important because before it was like are you effective can you get the job done but not knowing that there's so much that goes into that and um, i think now those soft skills are even being put above like what university did you go to <laughs> you know because that usually is it right oh i went to you know this prestigious university and i have these prestigious credentials but now it's like hey do people like you Will people right. respect your leadership? Will they listen to you? Will they feel empowered? You know, um, yeah. I think I think there's more value being put into those soft skills. What What just hit me as you're talking is when we talk about that presence. I think we all know that time is a valuable gift that we can give people, but the other half of time is attention because we only have so much attention and and I think that sometimes people think if as long as they're giving the time i.e i'm I'm walking with you and you can talk to me then I've given you my presence but presence isn't just time it's time and attention yes yes um I think back on when I first started teaching and you know you're giving this this uh, time that you you have so you got to teach this, for this many weeks, you got to teach this for 45 minutes, 50 minutes, you know, those types, it's like, you know, all these time constraints. But then we're wondering like, why weren't we as effective? Like if I knew what I knew now, back then my 22 year old self would know what I know now, my gosh, like I would have been so much more effective, but it was also, that wasn't valued. So I didn't, you know, you didn't really put into it. So I have my staff now. We're we're reading this um, book called The Listening Leader by Shane Safir. An amazing, amazing book that um, my entire um, district office and my um, leadership team, we're reading it. And um, that's the principles, assistant principles. And part of it is letting them know, like, this should be, a skill that you must have beyond the credentials that you have that says, yes, I can, I, I'm qualified to do the job, be the principal, be the superintendent. But the job, you spend so much time with people and you're like, well, why do I not have great people skills? <laughs> like, but, we, but you should, like being able to, like you said, being able to sit down in a meeting and I always start my meetings with community agreements. So it's kind of like our rules of engagement. But I also start off with, uh, you know, like our, when we have our Monday cabinet meetings. So how was your weekend? What did you do? Humanizing the experience together. 
you know, and, and, you know, asking people to share, you know, funny, you know, funny story, you know, someone spent time with their grandchildren, someone, you know, um, went to a movie, they haven't been to movies in two years, three years, like, and then you get a chance to get to know people on a deeper level. And I think that that's the listening part is like really understanding how do you communicate with people, not to people, mm -hmm. you know, and that's the difference. Cause sometimes it's, it, it needs to be a dialogue and not a monologue, but oftentimes leaders, there's a lot of monologues. I need you to get this done. I need you to get that done. A lot of, okay, action items. Okay. Here's, I need this done in two weeks and now go off instead of realizing. So what do you need? What kind of support do you need? so that you can be effective, so that you can be successful? That's a different question. Yeah. But in order to listen, you it, it takes, it's a muscle that you have to work out. And, and I think one of the silver linings of this pandemic has been that we have been forced to confront and understand that people cannot separate their personal lives from their work lives. Yes. And, and I'm, Guilty, 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 because my attitude has always been, hey, put it in a box, put it on the back shelf, get in and and put your nose down and work, you know, suck yeah. it up. And we we can pretend to do that, but we can't really do that. We're we're full human beings and we bring our full selves into our work. And and I I hope leaders listening will really embrace that and understand that when we're talking about being present when we're talking about listening, it does involve not just the work. How was your teaching today? What's going on with the kids? But how are you? Yes, how are you? And I think, you know, the other part of that, um, Frederick, what you said is real powerful. What you're talking about is is creating a sense of belonging. You've, we've heard this so much of it. And I, I bring everybody back to you cannot create a sense of belonging without listening. You can't create a collegial relationship with someone without listening. A deeply uh, human connection, you can't have that with someone without listening. You know, and it, it, and it takes time for you to slow down and reflect. And oftentimes we, we live in a microwave society. Everything needs to be fast. We want it quickly. We want this done. Like, and we get so frustrated when our tech doesn't work or when, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all of these things, they, they fluster us. But you know what I find really interesting is how much we value the moments when we can be off the grid, how much we value the moments where we can sit and have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and just really like meet up with a friend and sit and listen. How are you? How have you been? And you're right. When you provide that host leadership as well as like creating the, the, the right conditions for people to be themselves, that takes work, but that takes listening. Everything that comes back to this, it always comes back to listening, understanding what works for your team, understanding what works for your school, your organization. That's why surveys are important. That's why we that's why we do all of that. And I think we've been going through the motions of doing that. Like we found, we say it's gathering data. Well, if you're a technical person and you can say, yeah, well, listening is the same. It's kind of gathering data, you know? And so you're, you're, you're finding out a few things and then you're figuring out what to do with that information. Um, and, and I do find that I have been very successful because I learned a long time ago how important this is. People are like, how do you know that about that person? That person has been working here for 15 years. You've been here for five minutes. How did you get that much out of them? I said, have you ever asked? 
You know, like, have you ever, and then have you ever said, how are you doing? And really mean it. Not just, you know, like, it's just the standard, like, uh, I'm just being polite, but really like, hey, how was your weekend? Uh, like, you asked me, what am I celebrating today? And I was just like, you know, just the fresh snow. Like, it's beautiful to me. That kind of stuff. Most people are like, oh, you know, try to think of something that's profound. <laughs> Guilty. And fresh snow is not profound. It's just beautiful. Yeah. I I had an assistant principal tell me a story one day. Um, and actually they were they were in one of my my classes. And one of the things I did was really push this idea of presence. And and a, he was a student, I guess, at that time, and, and he was reflecting on an experience he had. He said he was supervising morning duty, breakfast duty in the cafeterias. People were coming into school and he left his computer at the office. He was dying to get into his email, but he he left a computer in the office. And one of the aides came through the door and he said, hey, how are you? And she said, fine, and continued to walk on. And and he looked at her and he thought, wait a minute, there's, there's something going on. And so he walked over to her and he said, well, really, how are you? Right. Which was that signal that I'm actually going to listen to you and I'm going to be present. And she talked about her father being very ill and in the hospital. And, and there was a kid sitting there, young, it was elementary school. So young kid who climbed up and gave her a hug. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, we asked the second question. Because you, because something in, in him knew something's not, something's off, right? Something's off. So I've been doing um, listening sessions with each school and, um, you know, standing as a superintendent. So one of the things I, I, I always introduce myself, like you asked me, what do I want to be, you know, introduced? What do I want to be called after Brunson or Tiffany? And I say, Tiffany, you know, because that's, that's who I am. Being a superintendent is what I do. Now I love it, but who I am is Tiffany. So I've been doing these listening sessions. I started with parents and then, you know, now I'm like meeting with the staff, but I've asked that no administration be present. And what's hilarious about it is they, they thought it was like, oh, we're going to tell the superintendent some things. But the questions that I asked, it ended up being more about, well, what is your experience like here as a teacher in our district? And how can we make this the best experience for you to be successful and to feel whole? Those are my questions. And it throws them off, <laughs> throws them off. And they're like, huh? And they pause. And some people have said, no one has ever asked me that. Not in a genuine way of um, not to fix something. You do understand what I'm saying? Like, it's not, I don't want to fix anything. I want to actually create an experience that will make this better for you. And so when you do that, then you find out things and then people volunteer. You're like, hey, I know how to do this. Hey, I teach yoga. I would love to do a yoga class, you know, in the morning. Then you find out stuff people didn't even tell their colleagues they have worked with forever. Or you find out things like, yeah, this, this I'm, I'm, I'm struggling emotionally because I have some things going on at home, which is impacting my effectiveness as an educator. That's real. But we, we often ex expect principals, assistant principals, teachers to show up and just be so ready to give 100% when sometimes they don't have 100% to give. But a simple question as, how are you really doing? Sometimes can, it can put people back together. Yes. And they have fallen apart. 
And then it opens up th that deep connection with them. And we, I, I am very proud that I do feel like um, the pandemic has brought about, it, it pulled us apart, but then I also think it pushed us together because it was a singular global event that was happening to every human being on this earth at the same time. At the same exact, in our lifetime, have we ever had anything like that? Not worldwide, no. Not worldwide, right? Not, you know, you can see some, you know, unfortunately a war happening in a, a country, a famine happening somewhere or, or, you know, like, the, the you know the overturning of a government in some other country but it but it it may have a financial effect on us you know or, or a trickle trickle down effect but it isn't at the same time we're all experiencing this and so i think that that was to me if there was one thing is that it reminded us of just how interconnected we are mm. no matter what corner of the earth you're on and so yeah. for me i like to I like to approach things that way, like in a very human, humanistic way. And some people may think it's a little touchy-feely and I just, you know, I just, I'm unbothered by that. But I do think that being empathetic and completely present is how I've been very effective at my job. Yeah. Well, and you're, you're bringing it full circle in a way because the way we understand, I mean, we are all connected with each other, but it's easy to look at the ways they're, we're disconnected. And again, going back, when we have those conversations, we create those spaces for people and we listen, mm -hmm. we also hear about and see how we're connected. I, I want to go back to something else you said. I don't want it lost because I think it is so important. You said sometimes when we're really busy, we we're, give them the full presence and we listen, but we don't have to respond right now. And in fact, I think we get too focused on responding. Mm -hmm. The gift... The gift is in the presence. The gift is in really listening. Sometimes that's that's all they need. That's all they want. And that's the most precious thing. Yeah, I have, you know how many times you've had parents who, you know, they'll send you an email and you can feel the emotion in the email, right? And I always say, you know, and I'll give you a, a story that happened recently, a parent, and I won't, you know, give too much, but a parent wanted clarification. And they were displeased with something that a principal did. So they, of course, CC the superintendent <laughs> on there, kind of like, I'm letting you know what's happening, right? And so, of course, I'm not responding. I'm just there as, you know, a listener, if you will. And so he responded. I think he responded in a way that was, you know, it was okay, right? But then I responded to him and I said, I need you to pick up the phone. And, or email her and ask her to come in. I said, this is important to her. And I said, I think you need to see her in person. I said, this requires you to sit and listen and be present. I know it's easy to, re re to shoot off an email. I know it's easy to do that because it's efficient, right? I said, but I'm, you know, an outsider looking in. But I also have my administrator hat, but I also have my my mother, my parent hat on. And I said, I'm going to read this to you out loud because I want you to hear this through this with this mother's voice. And I said, and then I want you, I want you to call her or email her and set up a time to meet. And he did. And it was resolved in a different way. And I said, Well, what was her response? He said, She said, 
thank you. I just wanted you to, to hear me. Mm. Oh, she just wanted so to be heard. Yeah. But I but I, I saw it differently. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I saw it differently. But I also, this is another thing, Frederick. I think in, in our positions as administrators, people expect you to be perfect. People expect you to have answers. People expect you to not mess up like they, they don't even give you the space or the grace to do so and so i think we just we we are you know we put our capes on and we're like you know what let me be professional let me do this and let me give this you know as opposed to slowing down and reflecting on what do what should i actually do what is what is the best thing to do not the most efficient but the best and most effective thing to do and sometimes it takes having someone come in when you actually don't have the time for them to come in but the amount of social capital that it gives you, because guess what uh, that person will say to another person? She's a good listener. I had an issue. She sat down and she talked to me. It's easy to just respond to an email, say yeah. yes, no, or whatever. It changes. And I, I said this to my, my um, principals the other day. I said, sometimes those conversations, they change you because then you're like, I did not Listening is about also about perspectives. When you're listening to people, you can hear their perspectives as opposed to you trying to figure out what they mean, <laughs> you know? But if you're listening and you need clarification, ask for it. You know, paraphrase what they said, say, I hear you, affirm the feelings that you think that are, are um, they're experiencing and say, I really want to understand what you need from me. When you ask someone, what do you need from me? Changes the tenor of the whole conversation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and I'm thinking of assistant principals and, and principals yes. and all those early career teachers out there that have not been taught or schooled on that idea of listening to parents, right? Because they're in that same, oh, I'm the teacher. I have to know everything. I can't make any mistakes. And so when they're questioned by a parent, all the defenses go up and yes. they're not reading that email in the way that you just explained, right? They're not trying to understand what the parent is saying or asking. And so for our administrators out there that are working with these early career teachers, I think you just modeled mm -hmm. something important, which is mm -hmm. read it, listen to it through the parent lens, and then pick up the phone and call. Yeah. And I'll tell you the other one is the hardest, and this is the hardest, the hardest, is when a, when a parent or a staff member brings something to you and maybe it's not the nicest, the kindest, the most eloquent, or even, it may not even, <laughs> it, it may be dripping with sarcasm. It may be offensive. It may have all of those things. But when you are a listening leader, you just see it as a perspective, not a referendum against you and your organization it's, it's not you know you don't don't make it out to be something larger than it actually is because remember it's one perspective it is one person and they're having an experience um right now and they're just you know they just want to let you know what this experience is like yeah. like you change you changed my room i've always been you know in the in the west wing um and you're like, well, I changed it because, you know, we're just reorganizing. You give your why, and it may be the most pragmatic reason Monday, and you didn't think about it. Like, oh, I'll just change the room. And this person's like, but I've been in this room, the West Wing, and I like the where the sun comes in, and, and you know, and I've been there for 10 years. 
change my room back. There's a lot happening there. <laughs> you know, there's a lot going on. And if you're rushing, you're not fully present, you would take it personally. Hmm. You will feel like it's a personal attack on maybe your leadership, your, your, your strategic thinking or whatever, you know, you may think that. But the reality is it's one person and this is their experience. You need to take the time to think about it and ask them clarifying questions mm -hmm. so that you'll know how to actually respond as opposed to it's done. This was my decision. I'm the assistant principal. I'm the principal. And I made this decision. It's yeah. going to be a completely different <laughs> reaction as opposed to have a seat. And tell me, you know, tell, you know, I, I can see that. I, I can see that that could be frustrating. Um, tell me more. Right. And walk through it and then give them. And they still may walk away not necessarily happy with the decision because the decision still has to be made because I've had to make this decision. But they may be feeling like, well, at least you respected me enough to listen. Right. As opposed to shooting out this this mass email, some people are upset about the change in their rooms. You've seen that email. <laughs> <laughs> some people, <laughs> some people, and the person, the person's like, "I'm the people. I'm the people." <laughs> well, and I think too, as you just said, we make mistakes, and and as we're growing as leaders, sometimes we make those decisions and we make them for X Y Z reason, and it seems it makes sense to us, and we pull the trigger on it. And then it turns out maybe it wasn't a great decision, but if we're too busy defending it, instead of trying to learn what that other person is saying, wow, maybe this is a team that's taken 10 years to gel together and they finally have it together. And I just moved half the team to the yeah. opposite hall. I didn't yes. even know it. And right? didn't even know it. And, yeah. I, and I find that that's a mistake that new administrators make a lot. Because they do, you bring your experience with you or you're hired, you know, as a superintendent by a board and they, they, they give you your marching orders. We need, we need our academics up. We need this cleaned up. We want to build a new school. We need to improve our enrollment. You know, like they, they give you the marching orders and you're like, okay, I'm on it. If you do not listen to the community, your internal, external stakeholders, if you don't listen you will step on landmines after landmines after landmines, and it doesn't do anything but make you frustrated. Right. And then people then say, you know, you don't trust us. And then that's when you get the, I've been here for 25 years, and you get those <laughs> people. And then you, and, and you know, you there's some, there's some value in that. That's an asset. That's someone that just, the historian, who has seen things fail and seeing successes. And so one of the things that I just told my, um, uh, I'm doing listening sessions with uh, students next month. And I, you know, can tell you a quick story about, you know, uh, the staff, the middle school staff, you know, they, they want to implement something. And I said, okay, have you asked the students about that? And they were like, wait, I said, you should always ask those who are closest and who will be affected by the decision, you should always ask them their opinion. Because um, if you do not, it, it can create a, a sense of superiority, inferiority, 
it can create, you know, especially when it comes to children, you know, there's a whole, there's whole um, research about adultism because adults were like, well, I'm the adult and I have earned this, you know, the decision-making and I'm responsible, but the children are the ones, the young people are the ones that then have to be most affected by that decision, but you never ask them their opinion. And then you wonder why there's a revolt <laughs> and an uprising <laughs> and, and then why they're pushing back. Yeah. As opposed to starting with them as co-creators and co-designers of the experience, you must listen to them. And so when I, this was a suggestion in a conversation with them about something they want to change, I said, do not do it without co-designing it with the students. I said, if you, if you do not do that, it is not going to be successful. And then you'll be wondering why this didn't work. Yeah. And they were like, we never thought about that. I had an interview with Sam Searcy, uh, principal at, at Owen High School a couple months ago, and mm -hmm. she's going back to a high school where she had actually begun her career. And she said she thought she knew that school, but uh, she was wise enough to check herself. <clears throat> and she found out it wasn't, you know, the school you come back to is not the school you left. Mm -hmm. And and she told a story about uh, they have a smart lunch and the teachers came to her and said, the smart lunch isn't working. You know, the kids are just out of control and you need to tell them what the expectations are. And she said, okay, you tell me what the expectations are, <laughs> because, right? Because they wanted her, they wanted her to solve their problem, mm -hmm. but then she would own it. And that's yes, what we right. do as leaders too. We go in, I have the solution. Okay. Now I own it. That's right. That's right. That is a huge mistake. I always tell, like, I've been doing these listening sessions with the staff, and I said, all the answers for every challenge you have are already in the room. It's already here. It was here before I walked in the door. I am not the one to solve your problems. The, those who are situated closest to the challenge should be the ones to resolve and solve their own challenges. And they just stared at me and I said, no, that is not my job. I said, it isn't my job. I said, it is yours. You deeply understand the challenge because you've been here. You deeply understand those who are um, in your school community. You need to listen to everyone. And then once you gather this data from listening, then you all come together and you create a solution, the best solution for your problem. I said, because if you're asking me to solve, just like that principle, solve that problem, then it's my solution as opposed to it's the right solution for our community, you know, our school community. I said, because I have five schools, they all have very unique cultures. So there are some things that has to have, you know, across districts, some consistency and continuity, right? You have to have that, right? But you also have to respect the culture and the values and the things that people love about their school. Like you, you know, some people are like, we're a football school. Like that's our thing. You know what I mean? Or some people are like, we, we, we in this community, we love baseball, you know, and they have this, you know, world-class baseball community, you know, community, or you have someone where we, we love the arts. And so, um, you know, that's the culture. You can't come to a, a place and say that they value the arts and then when you have to cut costs, it's the first thing you cut, you know? And you're like, no, you know, the people will tell you, hey, here are some other ways to cut costs because we have to be physically responsible, but you can't take the drama club. 
You can't take the band. You can't, you know, they'll tell you because we value that. Because if you don't and you just see like it's the best cost effective measure, you have devalued every single thing because you didn't listen. Yeah. And then it will blow up in your face. (laughs) I've seen it happen. So I think we have the title for this episode, which is all the answers are in the room. That is just all so, the answers are in the room. So profound. And I just want I just want school leaders to imagine. Don't go in and impose your vision. Listen. You're going to hear what the issues are and then bring people together. And your job is not to tell them. Your job is to create that space and that opportunity for them to tap all of that shared knowledge and come together. The answer's already in the room. I love it, Tiffany. Thank you so <laughs> the much. The answers are already in the room. You should be, you know, as, a, as an assistant principal, principal, it's just kind of my, my final words, if you will. You need to be a bridge builder and a barrier remover. Because mm-hmm. one of the things I always ask, what barriers do we need to remove in order for us to be successful? And sometimes we ourselves are the barriers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that takes some self-reflection. <laughs> we have a whole other podcast right there. <laughs> <laughs> it is indeed. I'll definitely come back and talk about that one. <laughs> so Okay. So I want to start to take us towards the end here. And I think a good place, a good thing to close on is how, as a leader, how do you check yourself? How do you keep yourself in that mindset of, I've got all these things to do and here comes somebody at me right now. I really don't have time. How do you ground yourself as a leader to be fully present and to be listening even when you don't have the time? I always say this, Frederick, I always want to be the person that I need when I'm in need. That's it. Be the person that you would need when you're in need. It is so simple. It's not that difficult. But oftentimes we don't do that. We don't do that. Because if, because if the shoe was on the other foot or the stiletto was on the other foot, I would want someone else to take the time, turn, orientate their body towards me, their eyes, their body, posture, listening, lean forward and hear what I have to say. That's all I would want. So, you know, be the person you need when you're in need. That's mm. well, just golden. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. So as we wrap up, I have a couple questions for you. And the first one is, what part of your own leadership are you still trying to get better at? Delegation. Delegation. And and I'll tell you why. And this is hilarious. I want my people to be so successful. So when I do delegate it, you know, I don't, I'm not a micromanager at all. Um, I, I worry about sometimes how much has already been put on them. So it isn't about the actual delegation. It is, man, I've already asked them to do so much because we, I have a small team to do, you know, you know, a lot of things and you have a finite amount of time to do an infinite amount of things. And sometimes I'm like, oh man, and maybe I shouldn't say the word delegation. Maybe I should just say the word because I'm, I'm a natural empath. Well, if I, if I give them one more thing, are they going to be able to be successful at it? Man, like that, that bot, you know, it, it, it makes me, it gives me pause, mm-hmm. you know, and then we listen and we walk through it and I do ask. So if I give you this new, you know, um, project, what support do you need? So then that's when my listening leader comes back. But initially, you know, I'm like, oh man, 
okay, but I have to give it to the person because it has to be done. So then I listen and then I figure out the supports that they would need. And um, I'm usually pretty good <laughs> after that. So I think we just covered this one, but you get one more shot. If <laughs> listeners could take just one thing away from today's podcast, what would that be? Pause and reflect before you answer. Just take the pause, take a few breaths, reflect, and then answer. And sometimes because you will come back to the, I have no answer for you right now. Give me, you know, give me a moment. You know, I'll, I'll check back in with you tomorrow or later. Um, but they heard you. It gives you a chance to pause. It gives you a chance to reflect so that you can, because you don't want to, this is another thing. Don't ever make false promises. Don't ever say something to someone and then you know you can't deliver on that and oftentimes we do that because we think it would placate them or make them feel better and do not ever make decisions based on transactional relationships like don't create a transactional relationship with someone just to say yes so that they'll get you know get off your back you know the union president or you know whomever the reality is have a really deep conversation with that person and relate and, and tell them like, I, I can't do that. Why? It's unethical or I can't get that passed, <laughs> you know, the people that need to pass it or it, it doesn't fit in our mission and our vision. Is there maybe another alternative that can give you the thing that you need? So being careful with that. Um, and that's really hard, especially if someone is your your boss, <laughs> you know, or something like that, or someone that evaluates you, you know, it, it can be difficult or a parent or someone, but being very careful about that. And finally, for all the people out there listening and inspired by what you're saying and sharing, where can they maybe learn a little bit more about the work you're doing or get more access to your wisdom? Um, so I am on Twitter. I do not have a Facebook page. I don't use Instagram <laughs> because I have to be able to use one thing. <laughs> I am on Twitter and it's at Dr. Brunson Go. I usually, you know, have some sort of words of wisdom on there, and um, I connect with people that way. But I'm also I'm the um, super proud superintendent of Elementary School District 159 here in Matheson, Illinois, right outside of Chicago. And um, you know, send me an email. <laughs> All right. Great. And we'll include some links down in the show yep. notes to make it easy for people. Uh, Tiffany, this has been so, so wonderful. I appreciate it so much. Thank you very much. And thank you for the opportunity. And if there's anything else or anyone else, you know, that, that you want me to connect with, I'm, um, I'm available. Thank you very much. Right. I mean, this work means so much to me. Good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, colleagues, this brings us to the point in the episode where it's your turn to participate by making an intentional choice. If you do nothing with what you've just heard, then you will have spent the last 30 minutes or so being entertained. But if you choose to do something with what you've just listened to, then you will have made an investment in your own leadership. One of the ideas we just talked about was that sometimes listening is enough. In fact, sometimes listening is more important than doing. Urgent leaders charge into action, intentional leaders seek to avoid action, but strategic leaders listen. So here's my suggestion on how to put what you've heard today into action by doing three things. First, for the rest of this week, 
Work to be fully present in conversations by dedicating your time and your attention. Listen intently. Second, resist the urge to open your mouth. Just listen. And third, through your nonverbal communication, try and convince the person you're with that they are the most important person in the world. Because for this moment, they are. Let me repeat those three things again. For the rest of this week, work to be fully present in conversations by dedicating your time and your attention. Resist the urge to open your mouth and just listen. And communicate through nonverbal means that the person you are with is the most important person in the world. In addition to taking up that challenge, please consider forwarding the show to a colleague and say, this is a great show. You need to listen to this. And if there's a big takeaway or question you have from this episode, please, as always, feel free to email me at frederick at frederickbuskey.com. I love hearing from people. Thank you for including me on your leadership journey. Remember that you can walk more with me by subscribing to my daily leadership email and Quadrant 2, my monthly micro journal. And if that isn't enough, we can walk further together in Apex, my virtual paid community for assistant principals. Apex helps you network with other APs and participate in group coaching with me. You can learn more about Apex and my other offerings at my website at frederickbuskey.com. I look forward to seeing you again on Friday when we recap the week's daily emails. I'm Frederick Buskey, and thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Cheers.